Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. It's sort of like when Al Roker lost a lot of weight and we were like, oh no, that's too much. And then like he figured it out and now right. he's like, now that he's perfect. Is just like, exactly. now he's just like beautiful and healthy and like doing what he got to do in those three pieces. I love that you brought him up. I love Al Roker. He's Me a friend too. of mine for about a hundred. Like I know Al Roker since like the 1980s. He's, he okay. is my black Mr. Rogers. No, no, he is not my understand. black Mr. No, he's no, no, my black no, Mr. Fuck Rogers. You, fuck you. <laughs> 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 This is Hello, Isaac, my podcast about the idea of success and how failure affects it. I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and in this episode, I talk to comedian, writer, and actor Michelle Buteau. Hello, Isaac. It's Michelle Buteau, bitch. I can't wait to talk to you. I'm going to wear a white shirt with no stains. Okay. When I approach talking to people, usually I think of these questions that are the most difficult to ask. Like, those are the ones that kind of pop into my mind first. And when I think about Michelle Buteau, I get a little scared because she's so incredibly smart and a little tough, you know? And I'm always afraid that she's going to kind of like see through me or something or kind of identify me as a fraud because she has more integrity than almost any person I have witnessed. You know, you just watch her on stage and she is like the realest, realest person who's just breathing with the audience. It's just unbelievable. And so I have a few questions for her about motherhood, about the subject of how she feels about her body really. 
you know? And I want to kind of delve into these things, and I'm really scared. So come with me, (laughs) and we will do this together, okay? Here we go. Michelle Buteau, hi. Hi. Hi, hi, darling. How are you? I am really good. Now, I'm going to ask you this one question, because, and yeah. I don't like to talk about fashion. I really don't, because it's to oh. me, it's like a really boring subject, but I know you're like quite into clothes. I've seen you, and you wear clothes really well. Oh what God, are you wearing you. today, darling? What are you wearing? Tell oh me. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I should have been what? prepared. I should have like <laughs> dressed up. So I live on an island, and this is like my chic, like I'm going to go... Um, mm pick up food and pick up the kids from daycare. So it's an anthropology linen, oversized, button-down shirt that's like just buttoned around the bosom. So um, people know I'm like approachable, but also don't fuck with me. And that I love my body. (laughs) But, you know, I love my body, but I'm not like Lizzo at the Grammys or like an Indian mother-in-law at a wedding. Like we don't need Mm -hmm. biscuits out, you know, um, during an (laughs) a.m., During an AM hang, you know what I mean? Unless there's like a yes. movie brunch involved. So mm-hmm. I like to keep it casual. And <laughs> honestly, I got my Uggs because I am about that comfort. Sorry. Well, I think, you know what? And I got to tell you something. I was on, I think, oh, I was on the Today Show the other day, right? And I wore flip-flops and I have a beautiful sort of rose gold pedicure, like a glittery rose gold pedicure. And I was yes. wearing flip-flops. And like, you know, everybody was like, really? She's wearing flip-flops? And I went on QVC and they made a note, like, could you wear a closed toe shoe? And I was like, okay, I guess. But for me, it's so chic to wear a really casual shoe, like an Ugg. And by the way, is there any beat going on? I can't tell. Have you, have you done There's any no kind of beat. Full, this is, no this beat. is just That's my just natural face. Yes, it's just... You have good eyebrows, my... darling. You have very good eyebrows. Thank Lucky you. you. You know what? I really messed them up when I was in high school because I was just really trying to act like I was in like a girl band like 702 or um, TLC. Right. And I'm just letting them grow in because that's like what it is now. You could just let stuff grow and hang, which is so fun. You know what else is great about you? You're kind of at this age, like you're not a thousand like me and you're not 20 like whoever, like, you know, that person who's on TikTok constantly. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation because girl, you have a lot of responsibility or something on your shoulders being the generation that Mm -hmm. you are. First of all, what number or numeral is your generation? Is it X? Is it Y? Do you have a name or a number? I don't even know. I can never remember. It's sort of just like, you know, when um, you're supposed to put the clock, the clock's back. It's (laughs) like people will tell me and it's just like not something. (laughs) I am 46 from the waist up and 24 from the waist down. So whatever... That whatever generation that is, great, that is me. Like, I remember life fully and completely without the internet. So it's so nice to be able to live and walk through life without defining my worth in social media. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're texting the rest of the world. So there is a responsibility. And I do love that I have that so I can teach my kids that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like phones used to be on a wall. And you'd have to like go to someone's house and like what, send a three-eyed raven to see if they want to like come over for a movie. But yeah, 
By the way, do you, do you sleep with your phone next to you or do you do. sleep? You do, because I do too now. And I used to think, oh, those poor schnooks who sleep mm-hmm. next to their phone, like those poor people. And now I can't sleep unless I know exactly where my phone is. And I get up at three in the morning because mm-hmm. I know that like, well, for one thing, spelling bee comes out at three in the morning. So I have to know, like if <gasps> oh, I can do the, you know, if I know same. the pangram in five same. seconds. Oh, girl, I'm telling you, you should call me at three same. in the morning. Oh my goodness. That makes me feel so bad sometimes because I'm like, wow, my vocabulary is limited. I didn't even know that was a word. We need more (laughs) funding for education because I didn't even know these were words. Um, But, you know, my dad has dementia. My parents live in Florida. You know, in in case something happens, I need to have my phone around. And also, you know, it's sort of like our gateway to the rest of the world. Like, if we need 911 or whatever we need it's like that's what it is like you know i have two dogs and two kids like you know yes yeah is there a flooding no i have to say it's like you don't find it a little crazy that so much of the news that we hear is filtered through like what is really an entertainment you know, outlet, which is Instagram. Forget about Twitter. It's just a bunch of trolls wanting to hate each other. And once in a while, you get someone posting something nice. But but Instagram, like among, you know, all this shit that you're seeing, you also get news of bullshit, that really scary stuff that's going on in the world. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel crazy, to be honest. I feel um, like empty and full at the same time because... Mm -hmm there are some social justice warriors that will take down some people that yeah. need to be taken down. You know, right. when like when Hannibal Barres just simply said on a stage during like a comedy show that Bill Cosby um, is a predator. Ooh, baby, that went viral. Right, right, and, right. And that's how women were able to feel safe and seen, yes. which is so crazy. But on the other hand, it's like everyone has an opinion. And I'm supposed to know what your opinion is. Like, I'm just here for the right. cute dog videos. So someone described to me yesterday, like the perfect way uh, uh, to describe um, social media, which is um, especially when something's going on in the world, it's like everyone feels like you're supposed to be having the same conversation as them. And it's like no right. one has time to process or think or even understand nuance or history. And so, yeah, yeah and it's sort of like, when Al Roker lost a lot of weight and we were like, oh no, that's too much. And then like he figured it out. And now right. Like, now he's perfect. Like, exactly. Now he's just like beautiful and healthy and like doing what he got to do in those three pieces. I love that you brought him up. I love Al Roker. He's Me a friend too. of mine for about a hundred. Like I know Al Roker since like the 1980s, Michelle Buteau. He's, he okay? is my black Mr. Rogers. No, no. He is not my understand. black Mr. Rogers. No, he's no. I love him. Wait, I love I, him. I love him. I'm yes. telling you, he is the most lovable person. And actually, one of the funniest things anyone ever said to me in the entire world. I was coming up the subway steps, like on 46th Street when I was going to high school, and it was raining. And some lady looked at me and she went, Al Roco. And what? I just, I couldn't stop laughing the entire <laughs> he day. Didn't she tell was us. He didn't tell us. Exactly. Yes. He didn't tell he didn't us. Tell she us. You gotta tell deep. us. That yes. is the best joke in the fucking world, right? Like, that is amazing. Al Roker. I'm- That's amazing. <laughs> like, if you're planning your wedding outside, check in with Al Roker. That's all I'm gonna say. Except, all right. So now let's get back to this because you know, um, 
like one minute you're scrolling and it's telling you about a war that's happening and the next minute it's puppies. Because I feel a little guilty. Like once I see the war thing, I go, okay, I can't. And then three seconds later, I'm like, no, where are the puppies? I got to see the puppies, you know? Well, that's the thing. Like we're not supposed to have this much information. Like you're not Mm going to take your kid to a buffet every night for dinner. Um, And that's what it is. So it's up to us to decide how we're going to take it in. You know, I used to work in the news. I edited local news for a really long time and I was at NBC as well, which is why I, you know, love so many of um, those those, NBC personalities because, Mm -hmm. yeah, because it really is just like my babysitter when I worked those overnights. Mm. But um, (sighs) yeah, like the news was for the news and obviously the world is changing and it's not the news program in a newspaper anymore. It's in our phone. And so, you know, it's really up to us. And now like, will it find us? Absolutely. But there shouldn't be any guilt about what we consume as long as it doesn't hurt other people. I think they're the only thing we should really feel guilty about is like how much time we actually spend Right. on that device right because right. we could be right. like right. Right. reading or talking to people or like touching our toes or looking at a wall which is my favorite thing mm-hmm. well now tell us about this because you said you worked at nbc in television and i know that you were a producer before you were a performer is that right tell us everything you're from well, new jersey i mean from jersey mm-hmm. and realized i was too cute for a whole zip code and i was like i gotta go <laughs> I can't be fighting at soccer games with these hoagies and your gout. And so I got to go. And I, um, my parents are from the Caribbean. And so we have a lot of family in Miami. And so I always had a great time in Miami. And I'm like, I want to go somewhere warm where people celebrate their bodies. I just want to see black, brown, fat, queer. And I just mm-hmm. knew, like, that's where I want to go. And uh, Miami was wonderful. And I really wanted to be um, a journalist. I want to be like... I want to be like a Dominican Mary Hart. You know what I mean? Even though I'm not not Dominican, but I just want to be like shoulder pads, (laughs) red lip, tell you like, you know, the hot goss and entertainment show. Uh And I had a professor, we were going around the room talking about what we wanted to do and why we were uh, studying TV production. And he said to me in front of the class, uh, Michelle, you're just simply too fat to be on camera. So you should (gasps) choose something else. No, come on. And this was the mid nineties and I was raised to not question authority, not rock the boat, to respect my elders. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and quite frankly, I didn't see anyone like me on TV anyway. So I was like, true, you know? Well, Um, yeah. I mean, you would say that, wouldn't you? That's the heartbreaking part of that story. It is. Is that you would agree with him, you know? I mean, he's just someone on the outside confirming what you've always thought, you know? Yes. And so... It's sort of like telling your parents you want to be a singer. They're like, good luck with that. I'm like, okay. So, um, nice. Well, a lot of us, we can relate to that, but yeah. So, so um, what happened to you? You got into television production in Miami. I did. I got into production. I'm like, well, I still want to work in this field because I feel creative and I love that every day feels different, but it's still the same. And so I started editing the local news for Fox and I became an editor and field producer And and they didn't let me produce a bunch of stuff in the field, but like enough stuff where I was like, oh, this is a great education for um, Deco Drive, the local entertainment show in South Florida. And so I was like, I'm too cute for Florida. Like, I want to go to New York City. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, if you can outgrow something in four years, it's like, then you should move on. Absolutely. And why did you go to New York and not Hollywood if you had 
I'm a New Yorker. I had no right. interest okay. in LA whatsoever. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. You, like whatsoever. And I didn't even think about acting or stand up or anything. I was just the funny coworker that edited the local news. And then you were like happy to be in my bay because I got it done. I was efficient and I made you laugh I mean, mm-hmm. while we would edit like, like, a fucking horror movie. And so um, <laughs> pretty much, oh, you need 30 seconds, no limbs. Okay. Anyways, wow. <laughs> this is what I had for wow. lunch. Like it's so wow. insane. So <laughs> right now, you know, when terrorist attacks happen and we feel it, I right now, obviously checking in on my Jewish friends, but also my friends that work in the news business because it, it really takes over your world. Um, it's seeped in your DNA. You don't know how to like, let it go. You have dreams about it. Uh, you have IBS. Um, mm-hmm. you are a weird person at a dinner party that doesn't know how to be like cool and casual. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you're really desensitized to what's happening in the world and then also yourself. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, man, the news is, crazy the news is crazy and it's framed as a form of entertainment for the most part you know what i mean and then when it gets really heavy or somebody dies or there's a war nobody knows exactly how to react and then i think like don't post a an obituary about someone who like that's just like isn't that so personal but then somebody dies in my life and i go that actually means a lot to me. And now my Instagram is so important to me. I feel like I have to memorialize that person on my Instagram. You know what I mean? You can do it and get it off your chest and let it live there and then take it down whenever you're ready. It really is to serve us for what we need in that moment. And if you're sharing that story with people, you can actually make someone feel less alone. And mm-hmm. that's great. But if it's too much for you to look at it all the time, we can do whatever we want with it, you know? And there is that thing where things do go viral and this, that, and the third. And, you know, I'm also like, good, be a little bit more responsible with your words. But whatever makes you feel whole in that moment, I say go for it. But you know what, though, darling, wait a minute, though. I have this really good friend, Josh, who's actually white. And I remember the whole Black Lives Matter thing that was going on, you know, that summer that everybody was like posting black squares. And he said to me, he was like, you know, I go through people's Instagram like pages. And if I don't see a black square, I unfollow them because I hate them. And he's right. No, I mean it. He's right. Like that was a moment, you know, that was a moment. And it was like a social responsibility at that moment. And like, I, I honestly, I feel like that's a beautiful thing in so many ways. That's a way that people can actually find community, like in a large, large scale way. But it's also like so dangerous, you know, it's very, very, very dangerous. Yeah, it is very, it is very dangerous. And that's why I love documentaries like Don't F With Cats, because then you do do realize like how vulnerable you are. That was a good one. Don't oh, it was good. Was really yeah, good. go watch it if you haven't watched it because, ooh, baby, the internet is interneting. And um, yeah, you know, I think for me, especially during the George Floyd lockdown, COVID, wow, we actually have time to process that racism is real, mm-hmm. was interesting, was necessary. And uh, I just really want people to live outside of hashtags sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to show up to a protest if that... Um, is not your thing. Um, but definitely educating yourself and donating to the right places and having allyship, man, it really happens in the dark corners where no one's looking. It is 
the green room at a comedy club where you should actually speak up if you hear something. Mm-hmm. And right. it's okay to be unpopular. You know what I mean? It's really yes. okay. It's yes, fine. darling. I understand. Yeah. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now, let's talk about your career for a minute because I love talking about your career because I was always a little afraid of you. I mean... What?! I'm a little, I'm serious, not because you're hilarious and because what you say, it's just because of like this level of success that I feel like you have broken, you know, you have broken into that world without the kind of, you know, the playing the game in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and going there and moving to the Valley and getting a car and, you know, (laughs) figuring out the vanilla bean or whatever the fuck the name of that place (laughs) is on, whatever. I mean, you know, you hear the stories about the way people, and they get discovered and they're there all the time and they're working all the time and they're on sets. Like, how did it happen? What was your break? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say because there isn't just like one 
thing that happened for me, at least now groups of people that have seen me in different things is one thing, but like, uh, really what gets me through and why I'm still here is the love and the joy period. Like if you don't love what you're doing, if you're doing it because you want to be famous or you want to be treated well, you want to see your name in lights, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Like I always describe stand up comedy as an affliction. Like, I don't know why I'm going back. I ain't making money. I'm so tired of Chipotle, but I got to go back. But, you know, and so if you really just like love what you do and getting back to the whole editing the local news, I worked in production because someone told me I was too fat to be on camera. Okay. Right. Darling, you know what? There's a lot of pain in that. There's a lot of pain in that. And there's a lot of pain in comedy, right? I mean, there is, it's not the easiest job and you're going, I got to go back and I make no money, but also it's hard. It's hard to look at yourself. It's hard to open up in front of people. It is. However, if you have that thing inside of you that says, I have to do this, I need to do this, I would have said it this way, then you just have to do it. And, you know, I I was so tired of making very basic people with no light behind their eyes do something cool and editing them in a way that made them look like they were geniuses. I'm like, nah, that was me. And usually I'm not that bitch. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, we're all here as a community. We all have our own gifts. But if you don't have anything and I'm giving you all the juju and you ain't got it, then I'm like, Uh, uh, no, no. And then truly 9-11 happened and I'm like, oh, we could all die. That is a reality. And so the first time I did stand-up was September 14th, 2001. Because so many people kept telling me, you should do stand-up, you should do stand-up. I'm like, why? These motherfuckers all talk about being broke, not having good sex, not having money. I'm happy. I love good sex and I love money. So I'm like, am I too happy for this? But... What wow. I found on stage. I need that even, T-shirt, darling. I like money. <laughs> what did you say? I like sex. I like money. I'm blah, blah. I need all that on a T-shirt. And I'm happy. Yeah. And I'm Give happy. Come on, NC, watch out. <laughs> Come on, QVC. I'm coming on, for yeah. you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what I found was that is them and this is me. And what I do on stage is is different. And that's okay. You know, um, it is shady. It is sassy, but it's still fun. And I don't need to be self-deprecating in order to make people laugh. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, stand-up comedy really helped me find my voice um, as a woman in many audition rooms or pitch meetings or relationships, healthy boundaries with my family and people I dated. And so I'm so thankful to stand-up comedy for a lot of different reasons. But also, like... And this is for the stand-up comedians or improv artists that are going into auditions thinking like, oh, this person's more famous and they'll get this role. Mm-hmm. Bitch, so what and who cares? Go have so fun. What? Uh-huh, exactly. You, go, you get you the have one like life. Some major agent in Hollywood calling and lobbying for you. Good for you. Congratulations. You know? Do you know what I mean? But still, yes, no one so. could do what you do. You are who you are, so do it. Mm-hmm. People complain about four lines. Who gives a shit? Turn those four lines minute. into 12. Okay, talking about being a woman in the world of comedy, right? Like everybody's like, oh, it's so difficult. It's so hard. It's so hard. Is there a benefit? Is there something like that you like about being an hilarious subject all of a sudden? Yeah, woman? I mean, like, look, people will say it's hard to do anything. Okay, but find, find the entertainment in how hard it is. Right. Find the joy in it. That's our Mm -hmm. job. Do you know what I mean? If you can't do that, then you shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And allow yourself to take up that space. Whenever I have like a very serious meeting with a bunch of executives, especially on Zoom, Mm -hmm. you know, and everyone's learning how to like yawn in their mouth. Like, (laughs) 
Exactly. You know, oh, I'll call God. them out. I'll be like, I saw that yawn. Oh. I don't know if you're bored or need oxygen, but I saw it. I do it too. You know, no, like, just it's because call they have out. to balance the meds. They haven't balanced. <laughs> I'm serious. That's what it is, darling. It's well, all that's good too. That's well, all, that's it's good all too. about medication. Uh-huh. I love it. Let's figure out how to balance our meds too. Like, what are we taking in the AM and the PM? Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. So, yeah, I mean, just just have fun. You know, stop giving people your power. Like, it's okay. Well, okay, so talk about what you did right, besides being incredibly talented and saying really smart, funny things that people want to listen to. Tell me what it was that made you successful. I mean, I said yes to a lot of things that I should have said no to. But, ooh, baby, um, being in a bad situation really will define your character. And um, being in bad shows or jobs, like, will be the best lessons you ever have. Like, I always learn more from bad shows than good shows, whether it's a TV show or a comedy show. Because by the time I get my show, what I'm going to say is, I don't want that toxicity here, honey. That's like emotional osteoporosis. And you you ain't going to age me. (laughs) Not when I'm 24 from the waist down, honey. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can be an asshole and work somewhere else and definitely get paid. But on this set, like, we're only going to lift each other up. I saw this, like, quote on Instagram because I follow a lot of, like, inspirational uh, accounts because that's what I want to see when I open up Instagram. And one of the quotes was being happy for someone successful, never fuck up yours. And I feel like we definitely get inside our heads and why do they Mm. have this? And I don't, we pick ourselves apart. Uh, Not they are them. We are us. And it starts with like, now that I have kids, like in school, you know, Mm -hmm. like we put this upon children Like, she's good because she's this. And my mom used to, like, straighten my hair and cover my freckles before we went to church Mm -hmm. because that look is unkempt and whatever the the fuck society was telling us, fuck that. Mm -hmm. So anytime I feel like that patriarchal bullshit, like, rise up in my throat, it does feel like heartburn, like a fire between my tits. I'm like, no, Uh that's not what we're going to do today. That's not what we're going to do. Yeah. And so, you know, people are, like, sort of using this word woke as, like, you're being weak. But for me, I'm like, I will gladly, I will gladly take that term. You know what, though? They, we got to think of a better word because it's yes. been commandeered and ruined yes. by so many people. So we can think of a Ooh. better word that is actually grammatically more sound than, you know what I mean? Like there are a lot of things we have to think about as a culture, darling. We could really think about grammar just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. But go I mean, back to this. Go back to this. You know, this podcast is about the idea of how failure is kind of a great thing and how it informs you in some way. So was there something that happened where you failed? Yeah, I mean, there have been people that I have opened for that I thought that their behavior around other people was consensual. And then I learned later that that was not the case. Right. And then I learned, ooh, where there's smoke, there, there's fire. Right. And so that's, uh, uh, like, that's the whole, like, if you see something, say something, speaking up type of situation. Um, mm-hmm. There have been situations where I have let people overproduce me and then sort right. of just said whatever they wanted me to say and have gotten, like, like people try to cancel me for it and I have really? received death threats and it was on Reddit. Yeah. And I'm like, why did I put myself Whoa. in that situation? 
Um, right. You know, there are things that I've said on stage where I'm just like, oh, I wasn't a fully evolved human being. But really? It's, it's, yeah. I yeah. can't believe that. I mean, me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah. But I, I will say this, like, not as bad as what other people are saying. Oh, no, like, no, no, still, no, 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 no. You know no, what I mean? No, like, it was exactly. still coming from a good place, but I was like, right. I could have been different about that. And mm-hmm. thank you for pointing that out to me. So I just feel like, mm-hmm. you know, I never want to work with someone who will never admit that they're wrong and who doesn't know how to take care of someone other than themselves. And mm-hmm. like, that could be a parent, a friend, a fucking finicky plan. Mm-hmm. But what I can't do is work with people who are selfish and don't want to l- learn anymore. Yeah. Because I do. Right. That's a beautiful thing. And you only learn that through failure. Yes. Right? Really? Yes. You know, I saw this Hallmark movie yesterday. I'm still freaking out about it. What? I know. I know. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. It was about this woman with a disability who is about to get married. And she and her mother went into this bridal store and she's like, I love this dress. I love this dress. And then the person selling the dress is like, oh, yeah, well, we don't have that in your size. Right. And she was really nasty, the saleswoman. And of course, like the grandmother takes her back and she gives her a piece of her mind. She comes back and she's like, you can get the dress. Right. And then this young woman goes, listen, you were horrible to me. You were so nasty. Right. But I'm guessing it's because somebody was really nasty to you, right? And then she yeah. hugs her. And of course, I was sobbing, this young girl yeah. hugging this woman who was so nasty to her. Mm. And I think about the way people deal with this kind of, you know, nasty treatment, you know? And and of course, it's like human nature to go nasty back, right? Like, if someone's nasty to me, honey, I start screaming. I remember I used to walk my dog in the village. And if the poor dog would pee somewhere, he wasn't. They'd say, oh, really? It's supposed to, I'd say, darling, I this know. is not the fucking Garden of Eden. It's New York City. In case you do. You know, like, I thought that was my place in the world yes, to be yes. nasty, you know. But in yeah. fact, it's like sort of turning the other cheek and going, I see why you're going to say this. Do you think that ever or what? Oh, my God. Yeah, I. I wrote a book called Survival of the Thickest, Plus Size Essays in a Small-Minded World. Mm -hmm. And there is this chapter where um, it's called A Light Load. And it's about (laughs) being a light-skinned Black person in the world. Right. And just experiencing uh, all types of racism for different nationalities when I travel. And the way that I would react to them, being a Jersey girl, (sighs) was so different from my 20s and 30s and now 40s. And thank God, because, um, yeah, I would either be dead or have some sort of crazy scar on my face in a Today Show interview, like, not the kind of Today (laughs) Show interview that I want. No, you know, like, it'd be insane. And so, like, now I fully understand the whole kill him with kindness. This guy was a dick to me in the Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. I had my kids, my four-year-old twins, (sighs) in, in a stroller. We were super hungry. Our flight was a little delayed. Um, I roll up in the restaurant and he's like, you got to wait here, wait here. And he's just ordering me around as if I'm shit on a shoe. I'm like, no. I see it. You don't need that tone. And he's like, don't tell me what I need. But here, do you see the sign? And oh, talking no. to me like that in front of my kid. And so now I'm like going to be an example for them, you know? Yeah. And I just look at him. I'm just like, boo, I hope you figure out what you want to do in life because this isn't it. You're not good at it. Right. And good you for should you. Re- you're not good at this, you know, and I'm like, you, you should figure out what you want to do because you might have some pride in your work, because if you continue like this, you're not going to live long. 
Beautiful. And I, just looked, I just looked at him and let him know what it was. And did I have shaky hands? Absolutely. Did I want to become like DMX in a Jersey Mall parking lot and punch him in the dick? Yes. <laughs> but that's okay. That's a 24-year-old Michelle. This is 46-year-old mom. So like, yeah, right. like I got to keep it the fuck moving. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I know that it wasn't exactly the easiest thing for you to become a mom. I know that was a real choice for you. And we can go into that if you want. But what I would much rather know from you is how you feel about being a mom in this world right now. First of all, what was it that made you really, really, really want to be a mom? Um, you know, it was just this yearning I had since I was little when people always asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, I never had a job. I just always said a good mom. Wow. And even when I was dating in college and in my twenties, I never 
thought I would get married because I didn't like anyone past three weeks. Like I loved Josephine Baker and Angelina Jolie, and I would actually like get a bunch of Cabbage Patch Kids and have two of that each. Is- Funny. It's insane. Like and it's Mia Farrow insane. by some chance. Like, I'm just thinking of yes. people in that yes. category of like a million yes. babies. Yeah. So that's that where my funny. heart and my energy level is. Right. And um, you know, it's not for everybody. And I realize that, you know, like adoption is not for everybody. Um loving someone that you're not related to is not for everybody, but it is for me because I don't like most of the people I am related to. But <laughs> me too, but but I okay, mean, as I'm- a whole, like, so, so, you know, you, you, you use this word like um, yearning. It kind of explains everything. But go back to that more than the adoption thing. Like, what made you want to, to mother people? Um, it's, it is just part of who I am. It's part of my DNA. I mean, you could say Zodiac sign. You could say ancestors. You know, my grandma Mavis also took people in off the street and um, cared for them and fed them and mm-hmm. made sure, you know, I think... If you're going to be a mom in this day and age, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but just keep in mind, you got to be open. Like we are evolving and that is a good thing. And you might not like something or understand it, but that doesn't mean that you can't love it. And everybody is so about biology and being very black and white with shit, but the real love and humanity and understanding comes with the shades of gray in between. And so if you can't accept someone being gay or other, then maybe you shouldn't have a child because that is also something that makes them beautiful. Like at the end of the day, we're all just beautiful souls wandering around the world, just wanting to be loved and accepted. And so the world is a fucking shit show. Has it always been? Probably. But the fact that we can live in a safe and sound place where we can go to Costco and get whatever the fuck we want. It's like, dude, we're okay. You're okay. Like fuck other people's opinions. Like as long as you have, love in your heart and can figure out how to understand stuff, then that's all you really fucking need. And so you think that that is a bomb for all the crazy shit that goes on now that you have to explain to your kids that you have to shield your kids from. And you're not like scared a little bit about like ecological disaster and all that stuff that's in our futures, blah, blah. You think about that. Yeah, of course. I'm also scared of like lantern flies. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's like I'm all over the place. So how do you bring yourself every morning to go, okay, it's all right. They're going to live. Their children will be okay. Their children will be okay. How do you do that? I mean, every day is a choice to be happy, to be married, to figure out not to have road rage. And, you know, and it's the same thing when it comes to taking care of your kids. It's sort of just like, why would I get a dog if they only live for 10 years? Well, mm-hmm. I want to experience that love and I want to love them and I, I want them to have a home, you know, mm-hmm. and know what love is too. And so, you know, a lot of my friends are like, what's the point? And I'm just like, yeah, but why not? Because we're incredible, not even promised Michelle. tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Incredible, Michelle. That's incredible. Oh, thank you. I mean it, it. Like, thank you. It's a really simple explanation, you know? It's a really simple explanation. Um, and I feel like you are a woman of the right words. You know, you use that word yearning and it was like, oh, okay, got it. Like my dog, speaking of dogs, which I love, Kitty, she's a kind of a border collie mix. And in her DNA, yes. this bitch, 
She like if you get off the sofa, she's like, oh no 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 no, get back on the sofa. Like she doesn't know why she's doing it, but she yeah. does it. So mm-hmm. you don't know exactly why you did what you did, but you did it because it was in you to do. And it's it's a really good explanation. Like now I want kids. Now I want to have kids. Okay, so you <laughs> fucked me up. Go back to the way you perform on stage because. I've seen you work on stage, darling. Do you do a lot of stand-up still? I do. I'm on tour now. I have a new hour. It's called Full oh. Heart Tight Jeans. Oh. And so check it okay. out. Come to a town near I'm you. Coming, yes, honey. Girl. Yes, honey. Now, wait a minute. Because, okay, so if you've never seen her, you got to look up her dates and go see. But do you write the jokes and memorize them and memorize the, the succession of jokes? How do you work on stage? Um, at this point in my career, it, you know, there's bits or words or like a situation or things happening in the world that I'm just like, well, I need to get on this because I want to talk about this too. And so I'll write it down and get back to it. And then like, I'll give myself an hour just to do whatever I need to do. And then um, sometimes I'll book a show. Like I booked shows at City Winery earlier in the year to be like, okay, go work this out. Right. So sometimes like I reverse engineer and I'm like, you got that date. You got that February date. Yep. It's December. Figure it out, bitch. Go and for so, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no like rhyme or reason, but it's sort of like in that world. And what's really fun now, and I will say this with pride, is having my name on a motherfucking ticket and people coming to see me. It is exhausting um, being a female comedian in one or like the only one or like one of two on a show where you have to tap dance for these people for a 10 minute set in the first five minutes, you have to convince people you're funny because they're like, Oh my God, a lady one. Uh, We Uh don't want to hear women talk. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. that was exhausting. That's like the same thing. Like trying to tell people like that racism is real. It's just like, bitch, Mm -hmm. it is move on. Women are funny, move on. And so it's so nice to have my name on a motherfucking ticket so then I can just work from there and figure it out on stage. Did you see that movie about Joan Rivers? She had these big cards yes. at the footlights. And I she just love went from Joan one Rivers. To, me can too. I tell Who you, doesn't? My husband, I mean, we have a mid-century uh, modern furniture business in Bushwick. And so he's constantly finding pieces. And he found Joan Rivers um, at her desk. <gasps> Come and on. So I wrote my book on her desk. Come and I on. that's how much I love Joan. Like, I remember like running home from school to watch her talk show because she was also my babysitter. Wow. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. So, but you remember that scene where she has the, the prompts from cards. Do you have prompts? Do you make shit up on stage? Do you write Both. shit? What do you do? Okay. Both. Tell Both. me, tell me. I need, I mean it. I need yeah. this as someone who you're mentoring. Like, think of me as like this comic who you're mentoring. So I write and I overwrite and I don't think about anything. I just like write a bunch of shit and then yep. I go through it. And I'm just like, what in the beautiful mind is going on? And I try to highlight something that makes sense. Right. And then I'll talk to a friend. I'll talk right. to a friend or two that's like, not right. even like a comedian, but like a friend that like understands me, you know, like yes. a safe space. And I'll kick it around with my friend and I'll just like say it out loud, which is really nice. And I also have comedian friends that I do love. And um, even taking your material to somebody that will help you shape it or help you with tags is also great too. But yeah, I'll kick it around with friends and say it out loud and shit and give myself a good, like, you know, how you kids get a coloring book and you have the outline and then I'll go on stage Mm -hmm. and like fucking color in and outside the lines and shit. And then my editing mind starts to kick in and I'm like, if I saw a show, this is how I'd want it to flow. 
mm-hmm. in terms of like beginning, middle and end. And so uh, also being 20 some odd years into stand up, it's nice to think of a chunk in an hour as opposed to like mm-hmm. a 10 minute set. Got it. But, right. you know, but even a 10 minute set, I'm just like, it's the greatest hits. You know, it's like, bam, 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 keep it moving. But also allowing yourself the opportunity to breathe in between. So if you're on stage and you see someone in the audience and you have to talk about whatever you're wearing, you you have have to call it out for you and for them and mainly for you. And if it's for you, they'll Mm -hmm. enjoy it too. That's You know, are you going to have sex and just worry about that person? No, that person's going to be turned on because you're turned on and everybody gets turned on and everybody fucking has a good time. So make sure you do you. Absolutely. I will tell you, like, you're talking about finding people that will like listen to your joke and kind of you'll get a sense of how funny it is or not funny or where the actual nugget is and where the big laugh is or whatever. Like, you need to meet my husband, Arnold, who is so funny and amazing. He's one of the funniest people like who ever lived. Right. But but when when I tell him, I'm like, oh, here's a good one. You know, I have this really good thing. And I tell him he looks at me like "Mm." and when he does that, I know it's hilarious. When he goes, maybe not. I know it is the funniest fucking thing I've ever said in my life. Oh, because I, you know what I think it is? I think it's from his perspective. It's like, oh no, please, please don't say that. Please, you know, or yes. something like I'm protecting you now. I'm protecting you because I love you and I'm protecting you. You know, I just think it's funny. You know, Phoebe Robinson, who, uh, when I was writing my book, I was like, I have a hard time writing this book because my mom is so worried about things I say and blah, blah. And she didn't make uh, up this quote, but she heard this quote and she was like, write your book like everyone you know is dead. Yes. Okay. That's smart advice. That's smart yes. Advice. And that's the same with stand-up. Like, I have this joke about my husband and my son and a booger in his nose that he couldn't get out. And I was <laughs> like, that's hard to watch. And so I get the booger out and... He's like, put it back in. I'm like, oh my God. So I had to put it back in. (laughs) And people are looking at me and I just want to be like, I've done cocaine off my husband's dick. I know how complicated (laughs) noses are. (laughs) But my husband's (laughs) like, could you not say that? I'm like, like, I'm sorry. I gotta live my truth. Okay. Yeah. I talk about my husband's dick a lot too, darling. It's it's one of the funniest things to talk about. It's your roommate. Like I I am in your (laughs) crotch. My face Ah, is in your crotch more than I see my family. No one tells you this when you get married or have a partnership. That crotch is going to be like... Like it. Per- that's it. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's your peripheral... That's your future, your partner. past, your present. Exactly. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robey, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have to tell you, one phrase that is really so tired to me is this you know, body positivity, because that has never worked on me. All that body positivity and yes. how you and how you doing, how you how you feeling about your body, you know, yes. like shit, you know, all that body positivity. And I still feel like shit, you know. Um, and the thing is, I know that the most beautiful people in the world, they feel like shit, too. Everybody feels like shit. Um, but you don't seem to. You seem to be very, very comfortable in your skin. Can you tell me how the hell you work that out? And is that real? Is that for real? It, it It is for real. And it wasn't always there. And I realized it wasn't there because people try to beat the positivity out of me. And so when I do say body positivity, I also say I'm positive. I have a body and I get the one. And again, I'm not going to try anymore to live up to some unrealistic patriarchal standard of beauty because you think I should. That's how you get my money. That's how I am depressed. And you know what? If I can create wow. healthy boundaries with my relationships and work really hard and like go out and make people feel happy, then like I deserve to fucking be happy too. And so I'm really fucking done subscribing to that bullshit. And I really feel bad for most of the women in my family that are older than me because yeah. they're still on yeah. some. I we know. Have to, and I said, who has to, for who? For who? For who? This For isn't who? Mad Men anymore. We don't have to. Yeah. You know? And so you're not going to feel like good and perky and perfect all the time. But that's also beautiful. Like finding those moments where, you know, it's gray and you feel like you want to listen to a sad song or some shit. Like that is fucking great too. It's called emotions and we have a rainbow of them. But like in general, beating myself up because I'm supposed to look like someone. But their family is different. Their DNA is different. That's not me. 
Like, fuck right. that. I'm not doing it anymore. And so, like, I ask people and I ask you, why do you feel shitty? Like, what part? You know, because I grew up and I was a fat kid growing up. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I lost about 75 pounds when I got to high school, but the damage was done. And, yeah. and you know, honestly, like my father told me I wasn't a good looking guy. I had other mm. assets, but you're not good looking. Your mm. sisters are gorgeous. You're not so good looking. You know, my dad actually said that in a car ride home from Long Island. And I was like, of course, I know that's true. You know, um, no, no, I'm just telling you, you asked the question. So I know, I know why. I know. And the thing is, when I look at the size of my suits, you know, it's like, really? Oh, God. You know, and because I had, I also went down to a very, very, very small size and I weighed probably like, I would say 40 pounds too little for my height. I went to the opposite extreme. Yes. And and it was too late. I was like in my 30s. Like who has an eating disorder in their fucking 30s? But I did, you know, because it's such a deeply ingrained thing. Yes. And then I look at you and I think, you know, like, She's as gorgeous as anybody out there. And the way she wears clothes and the style and the hair and the whole thing, like she loves it. That's why I asked you the first question out the door was like, what are you wearing? Because I know that it's a big, important thing to you, the way you present to the world. Yeah. And I want to know if there's like a secret to that. But it's it sounds like you're saying you've had it with everything else. You oh, know? I really have like... It started with my parents and my family, right? Because it Mm -hmm. also started with society. And so when I got these really crazy boobs at 12, all of a sudden it was my fault because I was getting unwanted attention from men. Ah. And and to not stick your chest down. I'm like, I'm I'm standing up straight. Stand it. Do you know what I mean? And then my dad would tell me in high school, you'd be so pretty if you lost 20 pounds. And I'm like- Pretty. Uh, yeah. That. And I looked at him. I was like, I'm beautiful no matter what. And he's like, that's my girl. And I'm like, that's not how you teach me anything. And that's why I say, like, don't have kids if you're not prepared because they are going to, they are beautiful no matter what. And mm-hmm. we all have phases and we might have, you know, the thick phase or the fat, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but they're beautiful no matter what. And so like, by the time I got to college and someone's telling me you're too fat to be on camera, I, I already heard it so much at home, but right. I would still go out and have so much fun with my friends and like right. people would be attracted to me, but like I was supposed to be so thankful that they were attracted to me. I'm right. Like, what is right. It? Well, that's what like, I mean. Like, I don't what? want it to be about spite or about yes, a yeah, reaction. Yeah. I just exactly. want it. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel natural. It felt like I was lying to myself. Like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be. No, fuck that. Like the minute, honestly, I was just like, no, I'm fucking funny. I'm going to go do this, you know. And and again, it's not giving people the power. Mm -hmm. No, my belly is actually cute. Like, you know, especially the things that I've worked on very hard on that you can maybe take a gaze at. Uh it's very important for me to have sex scenes and, and good sex scenes where you see the biscuits on the back because that's the (laughs) most favorite part of Thanksgiving dinner, bitch. You know what I mean? And, and not to be so like, Oh my God, I was so thankful. Someone finds me attractive. Fuck that. I will sit on your dick and break it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I have to say, I think that's, what it is between my husband and I that I adore so much is that like he can't keep his hands off me a lot. And it's not even for like we have sex enough. That's fine. But I'm not talking about that. It's like he just loves the flesh on my body, yes. you know, yes. and that's a, that's a great. It's a, I attributed it to his 
insanity, like he's just a crazy person. Okay, we have a little bit of time left. I want to ask you a question that I ask everybody, which is about your obituary. So when you die, what do you want your obituary to talk about? What do you want the subject to be? Like Michelle Buteau, 105, go. Um... She was a badass bitch that made people feel safe, seen, secure, entertained, and made millions of dollars doing it. So good. Uh, and, the Pal- <laughs> the Sherm- and, and the Sherman Palladinos are in process of writing a series about her called The Marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Buteau or something. Yes! <laughs> yes! Or the Buteau Girls, right? Exactly. Yes, from Head to Buteau. Let's go. <laughs> I really want that to be my obit. Like, I want to be this person that makes people feel good and makes a million, you know, trillions of dollars doing it. But, um, you know, Jake Cohen and Soledad O'Brien, I'm just thinking of people who said stuff to me, right? When they go like, oh, you know, I just want to be a good person. I go, Jesus, that was a simple, beautiful thought. And then you feel so good about yourself, right? Like, guess what? You're a good person, Michelle. You're a good person. Thank you. You're a good Takes person. Takes what I know, bitch. Hey, what do you want to promote on this podcast? My book, Survival of the Thickest. It's a great summer read. LOL, go somewhere warm. Or Kwanzaa stu- uh, stocking stuffer. I don't know. Um, also, <laughs> uh, my podcast that I do with Jordan Carlos called Adulting. We do live shows and remote shows. And my tour. And my stand-up and comedy tour. tour. I can't wait. When are you in New York City, Queen? I just sold out the beacon last week. I'm Why didn't so I know sorry. about this? I, I follow know. you on fucking Instagram. Why I didn't don't I know? know. Uh, I don't know. Well, I love you, darling. I mean it. You're a doll. Thank You're the best. That was a conversation for the ages, if you ask me. By the way, every five minutes, I kept wanting to stop her and say, like, excuse me, what did you mean by that? Her mind is just so much quicker than, like, the average person, especially the average 62-year-old person like me, right? She's so much quicker than me. I don't even know what she's talking about until minutes later, it sort of sinks in and I go like, ah, I got it finally, you know? Um, But I do think that she gave us such an incredibly in-depth view into who she was. And yet, I have to tell you, I have pages and pages and pages of questions for her. Now that I've done that, that was sort of like, you know, the thing that you do before you go to the doctor and you check off all of your conditions and all the drugs you take. That was like the beginning. That was the first moment. I have now like the entire checkup that I want to do on Michelle Buteau. So, Stay tuned. Round two is going to come. I'm not exactly sure when, but someday. Michelle Buteau, I see you and I'm coming for you again. I love you and thank you for joining me. Darlings, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and tell someone, tell a friend, tell your mother, tell your cousin, tell everyone you know, okay? And be sure to rate the show. I love rating stuff. Go on and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear about it. It makes such a gigantic difference and like it takes a second. So go on and do it. And if you want more fun content, videos and posts of all kinds, follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at Hello Isaac Podcast. And by the way, check me out on Instagram and TikTok at I am Isaac Mizrahi. 
This is Isaac Mizrahi. Thank you. I love you. And I never thought I'd say this, but goodbye, Isaac. Hello, Isaac is produced by Imagine Audio, Awfully Nice, and I Am Entertainment for iHeartMedia. The series is hosted by me, Isaac Mizrahi. Hello, Isaac is produced by Robin Gelfenbein. The senior producers are Jesse Burton and John Asante. It is executive produced by Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Cara Welker, and Nathan Clokey at Imagine Audio. Production management from Katie Hodges. Sound design and mixing by Cedric Wilson. Original music composed by Ben Walzer. A special thanks to Neil Phelps and Sarah Katanak at I Am Entertainment. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts oh hi i'm rachel zoe and my podcast climbing in heels is back and better than ever you might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.